Welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davis, and I'm here with my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. For the second time, because the first time we did this, the audio was awful, and something on my end, it was not good. But we're back, Ethan, for real, Mock Draft 2.0. Um, and I am I'm ready for it. The draft is but two days away. By the time this comes out for the listeners, it might be the day before the draft or the day of the draft. So... What what are your thoughts there, Ethan? Well, I'm excited to get it recorded again. We have a little bit more information now. Chris Paul has been traded um, in real life as well as in this mock draft now. So we have that much more information available to us at um, at our disposal. So hopefully, even though we're not changing a thing, <laughs> be that much more accurate in our analysis and assessments of what should happen. Yeah, d- d- different reasons for, for making the selections that, that we will have for the Phoenix Suns. And they keep their pick. That was the other thing. It's like we didn't know if they were going to have their pick still at 10 if Chris Paul did move. Looks like they still do. So let's go ahead and get right into it then, Ethan. Um, we kind of did alternating decisions on this. So like I think that I had the odd spots and you had the even spots although we may have flipped it around every once in a while just because it, it worked out best that way but Minnesota Timberwolves first overall pick and the decision here for me um was Lamella Ball and let me just say again like I think that there's other places that they could go uh apparently rumors today as far as I think the Vecini pod I listened to said um oh no I, it might have been a, a different one like maybe Anthony Edwards is popping up as the more likely. For me, it's just I trust LaMelo Ball a little bit more. I think that he fits and slots alongside uh, um, D'Angelo Russell. Okay, I don't think. I think that's a little overblown as far as the difficulties. And again, D'Angelo Russell is not prohibiting me from selecting the best player. So let's go go LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I actually was talking to my buddy Cam about potential trades and why maybe the wolves were acting like they were even wanted Wiseman at number one was to kind of create a snowball of trade-ups to where maybe the, maybe the Hornets would trade up to the first pick to get Wiseman because all the wolves are going to take him and that they actually all along have wanted Anthony Edwards and someone would probably more likely to trade up to the Warriors to get LaMelo then. And then they can just sit there at three and get the guy they want a couple picks later, a la the, the Celtics of a couple years ago. You just gotta have that like incentive, and I guess the incentive is there if you feel like Golden State is going to select the guy you, that you want. So it, it just it just just depends. Um, but we got Lamelo there. Um, is there anything more that we need that we need to say about that? I don't think so. We all know that he has the number one um, attribute in the entire draft, which is his passing, vision, and feel. Um, will it result in him being the best player in the draft? That's hard to say because obviously defense was something that. He struggles on, and it's going to be important for him to be a great prospect, great player in this league, championship-level player, I would say. But, you know, he's got all the physical tools to be a really competent player at all at all phases of the game. We'll, we'll just have to see how it develops. But obviously his passing and feel is a reason he's a number one overall pick. Yeah, and we canvassed the league for trades. None none came to fruition. Uh, so, Golden State Warriors, uh, you know, second pick. And... For them, again, they canvassed the league. They tried to make something work out for a Drew Holiday deal. Couldn't really make it work just with, you know, having to attach Andrew Wiggins um, as an asset. And there really wasn't another team out there who, because the other teams are would be wanting to go after LaMelo Ball in, in that situation, I believe. Therefore, they don't really have other trade partners. And so that kind of makes them resign to select who they think is going to be best. And for me, that would be James Wiseman. But 
James Wiseman is also coveted by the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, it's kind of a situation like we had back in the uh, Mitch Trubisky football draft where the 49ers, for whatever reason, made it seem like they were going to take Trubisky and or, or someone was going to trade up. And so they traded back just one spot with the Bears, right? And then the Bears went up and, and made, made their pick. Similar type of situation here. Golden State is happy enough to just take Wiseman and just say, let's just run with it. He, he can fit. We can make him look really good in our system. And and so that was enough for the Charlotte Hornets to trade the number three pick and Miles Bridges as the tax to move up to number two um, to select James Wiseman. Jordan Poole also threw in just for, for salary purposes and just because. Yeah, the Warriors gotta gotta move salaries with it. Like it can't be this can't be what happens to the trade exception in case they want to use it. So trading Jordan Poole out just makes it all work for the money reasons. Miles Bridges fits the uh, prototype of a Draymond Green, you know, kind of student to the master. And Miles Bridges obviously got a guy known for his off-ball movement because of the way he goes up and gets out of oops. Guy who's gonna play really nicely with the team. And Obviously, the Hornets get their guy, um, the big man of the future, franchise, all that. Um, last time the, the Hornets were a playoff threat, surrounded was built around a big man, Al Jefferson. And, I mean, you also have P.J. Washington excelling last year. I mean, he played pretty well, destroyed the Pistons a few times. And and so I, I like, I think that it may, maybe makes Miles Bridges a little bit expendable. Um, he's just another guy, but that's helpful to have another cheap guy if you're the Golden State Warriors. And, yeah, James Wiseman going second to the Charlotte Hornets and you know we'll, we'll have to see what what they do in free agency with the remaining amount of money that they do have Golden State Warriors then back on the clock for the third pick again the trade offers really aren't there they don't know who's trading up for Anthony Edwards they could take him here but he really I don't know I, I don't I don't like the fit there so it's just, uh, all right, who's going to be the best person to help us right now um, and, you know, be a solid contributor for a um, finals hopeful team? Tyrese Halliburton, right? It, it basically was between him and Okoro, I think, but Halliburton's got to be the guy, right? Yeah, Halliburton's the guy. Not to mention we just got a Miles Bridges, which Okoro is, like, positionally very similar. So, like, in terms of, like, you know, don't ha- want to put all your eggs in one basket, one t- prototype, Halliburton slots in as a closing lineup, two for this team. He can come off the bench for probably most games, though, um, depending on how you want Clay to start games off. Um, Big concern about Tyrese is will he be able to guard on ball at effective level to be, you know, in that, you know, closing line stuff well i think that's less of a concern with this specific team because they are the the warriors already have a mark to go after at the end of games and that's when stephen curry who the incentive to attack at the end of games is so much higher because he's the guy who has to carry the load on offense so why not tucker him out on the defensive end go after him all the time like halberton gets to do what we think he'll excel at and be off ball and he's probably even better at that than than curry is yeah, and the fact that he can knock down shots, uh, you know, one of the best catch-and-shoot guys um, from deep, especially with with his weird form, it works well the, um, from deep as well. It's just that off-the-dribble stuff that we've mentioned that's tough for him. I think that he fits in well here, can kind of slide into the old Sean Livingston role and, and just be able to space it out. The mid-range, not quite there, but, you know, I think, I think, I think it'll be good. You know, he's a great player. Moving on here to the Chicago Bulls. Um, 
at this point, I think they're thrilled to have a, a guy with tantalizing po- uh, potential here with Anthony Edwards. The guy can bounce out of the gym. He, he's got a good-looking jump shot while his effectiveness is yet to be proven out over a long period of time. He shot good from the free throw line. Didn't have a lot of help there at Georgia. But I think that the overwhelming potential and athleticism that this guy possesses is too much to pass up at this stage for the Bulls. I think if he had been selected a pick a pick ahead, they'd have a lot more interesting paths to go down logically. But I think even you would agree, Richard, that the the potential Edwards possessed, if coddled the right way, it is a lot. It's too much to pass up. Yeah, and I mean, this is one thing that if the Warriors were up for it, if they didn't feel like they needed to. Like, they're trying to make a run this year, right? And you're going to need at least seven guys. They don't have those guys right now. They don't have seven, eight guys deep at the moment. So you might need a contribution from this rookie. And I don't think that's Anthony Edwards. I don't think he really fits into that style of play. For Chicago, you're you're building a whole new thing. They've turned down um, a number of, like Chris Dunn, they are not extending a qualifying offer to him, neither for Shaquille Harrison. Uh, They are for... um, Denzel Valentine, so that was interesting. So they made some curious moves today. But uh, there, there's space and spots there at the guard positions. You've got Kobe White. Um, I don't think Sadoransky's in, uh, you know, indispensable. It's okay. And Zach Levine, I don't think he precludes you from taking um, Anthony Edwards here. So it, it's it's a swing you got to take, right? Uh, I agree. That's why That's why I eventually made the selection. You're, you're back up again in terms of how we kind of structured the original picking. And Cleveland Cavaliers are on the board. They got some needs all throughout the roster with no one on their team being a particular standout. Where did you end up going with this pick? Well, I went, uh, you know, with, in the state. Obi Toppin. Um, the, the idea for me is, again, I don't I mean Kevin Love is there. Okay. Um, Kevin Love is not going to be on the next good Cleveland Cavaliers team. Andre Drummond's there, same thing. They have rookie guards, so I not that again it should prohibit you from taking a guard necessarily here, but the top guards I think are off, you know, are are are, are off the market unless you're going to be reaching for um, I don't know a Killian Hayes perhaps. It could be Killian. I mean I like Killian well enough, but if you like your guards you drafted them Kobe Altman so I assume that he likes them let's go ahead and get um younger at you know uh, not 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 too young but you know let's go get LB Toppin someone who's gonna be able to provide offensive help and relief and let's go ahead and just put Andre Drummond back in a complete uh, has no idea what he's doing because he's getting attacked from all directions because LB Toppin's an awful defender just like the rest of the Cavs team so I for me it came down to um Obi Toppin um Okoro it came down to um, uh, Denny of Dia, right? Some of those guys. But for me, it's just let's go over top and let's just get some offensive firepower. I think he could, in this situation, win the rookie of the year just because you're putting up a bunch of counting stats offensively. And that's usually what they look for in rookie of the year. Yeah, and I think playing alongside uh, Andre Drummond as a guy and will help him defensively. Drummond's like, you know, big and a little imposing. Probably slipping as he ages, but he's still a guy who can help cover some of the weaknesses. I think play, like playing with or being in the same locker room as a Kevin Love should enable all of Obi's offensive development. He'll get a stand next to a pro who, you know, physically t- is not all that talented. And Obi Toppin is physically very talented. Um, if he can pick up some of the shooting touch or like the uh, propensity for outlet passes that Kevin Love has, 
Obi Toppin could be a lot better than what we both have him on our big boards. He could be a, an incredible um, offensive player, even more so than we give him credit for. Um, I think he, I think the thing I said in the earlier recording was he's the kind of guy he's going to help you find out how good your guards are because he's going to be a great roll threat. He's going to be a good pop threat, and he's going to be able to take advantage of some mismatches to make sure they can throw some post-entry passes. You're going to find out how good Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are by pairing them with a Obi Toppin. He's the kind of guy who's going to show you if these guys are quality guards in terms of all phases of being a guard. All right, that went and brought us to number six, Atlanta. Now, Atlanta wants to win right now, and they they got mandates, right? Ownership has basically said, hey, if you don't get it done, if you don't make the playoffs this year, we're going to just get rid of the whole everybody. So we need to make a move. Obi Toppin, probably the most impactful person right away as far as, again, helping teams amass regular season victories. He's gone. They also kind of have John Collins already, so there's not really a reason in that regard. So the idea is we need to get veterans. We need to get someone in who who can help winning. Also young, preferably on a good contract, although Atlanta has a lot of space. Star of the market. Atlanta said, hey, San Antonio Spurs. Deontay Murray, is he available for the sixth round for the sixth overall pick? He was, so Atlanta trades the number six pick for Deontay Murray. San Antonio gets to keep their 11th pick, so they're going to have two picks up here in the lottery. Atlanta, do you like the move for them? And then after that, who does San Antonio take? Well, I think Deontay Murray checks a lot of boxes for the Hawks. He can be their backup point guard when Trey Young sits, which was a big problem. They traded to get Jeff Teague back to Atlanta because of how awful the Hawks were with Trey Young off the court. This is going to be a move that fixes that problem. It's going to make that a lot easier. And I, at the end of the day, Deontay Murray is going to be able to play next to Trey Young and keep him from being exposed defensively constantly. I, yeah, I think that having those two paired up, it's, it's the perfect kind of person to the side of, of, Trey Young for, on the wing you, where you can always hide Trey Young as much as possible. I mean, it's always going to be a liability, but at least you've got that. And, you know, with with that, you've got Cam Reddish, who is improving uh, defensively on the wing. Okoro would have probably been the pick here for me for Atlanta just because I really want Okoro to have a really good point guard, and I, I think that would help facilitate his growth. But... I think the impact, you know, rookie that rookies can have, especially in this season, is going to be very difficult just because of the shortened nature of it. No summer league, no prep. Let's get a veteran in there who knows what he's doing. Yeah, and Okoro going to the Spurs, he is going to play next to what we think is going to be a pretty good point guard. Oh, okay. we, we just announced it. Okoro to the Spurs. Yeah, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was a little distracted a second ago, and. um yeah, Okorg is getting picked by the Spurs, and it's a great fit here. You know, he's got you know some of the Ka- Kawhi Leonard uh, mold in terms of a guy with some struggling offensive aspects, but a great defensive prospect. You're, you're throwing him in here next to uh, a Glani Walker, D- Derek White, Pirtle, bring him back at a reasonable rate for your center. We got some, we got some good stuff going on, and I think Okorg is going to develop really nicely under in the Spurs organization. I, I think, yeah, the, the shot doctor aspect of things that should be mentioned um, that uh, he's not Kawhi as far as even the defensive level. Like Kawhi is bigger, probably longer arms, definitely bigger hands. So there's that aspect of it. 
On the offensive end, though, I mean, Kawhi's shot was broken, and and we fixed it. Uh, Coral can do a lot on the offensive end in facilitation. I think probably even better than Kawhi at this stage in his career. Offensive boards, he's he he gets them a whole bunch. I I just love his point of attack defense. I think that he is a an underrated off ball defender. I think I just think he makes too much sense for San Antonio here. They obviously have a lot of guards, but he can defend up. He can defend one through four, um, and I think be very very good at that. He he was defending Kyra Lewis with, with his speed point of attack in this past season and also was able to switch up and around to all manner of different people. I think that he is, um, you know, the, the first building block here out of uh, the San Antonio's attempted rebuild and retool um, on the fly here. Uh, next, number seven, Washington Wizards. Ooh, just kidding. Gave it away. It was the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> I did so much. I did such a better job with the, on with this the, the in the first pod that we did, where you know the Pistons were there and and they were they were like, hey, Boston Celtics, do you want to jump all the way up to seven to get a Kungu or Patrick Williams or someone like that? And uh, we 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 made Washington believe it enough that in order to get a Kungu, they had to jump up to the seventh pick, and so that's what they did. That's what they did here. Um, Nine and thirty-seven for number seven. That was what that was the cost. Yeah, so we were leveraging the two teams against each other. The the, the sh- both teams want a Kongwu. You know, the Celtics could use a really like solid center, which a Kongwu projects to be immediately, in my opinion. And the Wizards were hoping he'd be there at, at nine, but with the threat of Boston being able to give out three first-round picks to a team like Detroit, who's just like, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take as many players as we can. We just need future NBA players more so than even stars. And so they were able to finesse the Wizards more appealing offer because they were able to retain a lottery pick, a top 10 pick um, from the Wizards. So Aneko Kongwu is the selection and bought, and uh, Detroit will move to the nine slot now. And, and maybe as Detroit, I am more apt to do this just because I know that I'm going to get somebody that I like with that ninth pick. Uh, whether it be at Patrick Williams, be at Killian Hayes, one of those two guys is going to be available. Whereas if I trade down with Boston, I am really banking that like uh, maybe RJ Hampton is available or you know a couple of those guys, you know Kyra Lewis sliding. I and I'm not comfortable with that, just with how I see you know the board potentially falling. So um, you know just a, a second round pick and kind of a weakest draft, but I think that there's some gems to be found in the second round. So. Uh, number eight, New York Knicks. Tibbs is there. Leon Rose is there. Leon Rose is sad that Obi Toppin, um, you know, represented by CAA, is now off the board. Would have been great. Where, where do they go, and what what do they do now with uh, some of the maybe the prospects that they wanted are now off the board? Well, I think at the end of the day, the Knicks need to take swing, swing, swing for the fences. The only player on their roster right now that I think is of any, you know, pertinence there's actually two but there's there's um mitchell robinson is my guy obviously and i'm i'm an rj i'm an rj barrett defender so i don't know why it slipped my mind for a second but there's two guys i, I, I just gave ethan the biggest the biggest stink eye. i was like <laughs> wait a minute only one for real okay yeah fair so enough. with that in mind rj barrett's a flexible player in terms of where he can end up he could he could go play the three that's uh, by the end of his career he might develop his ball handling enough that he's a one because he's kind of a guy who wants the ball in his hands. So there's no position on the backcourt 
to the three that you like you can't select. The center is really the only position here that your eyeball is like, well, do we really want to take a center with a guy as talented as Mitchell Robinson? Oh, wait, the two best centers are off the board. This doesn't make it a decision. Even Obi Toppin, who, because of his defensive limitations, might project an NBA center, he's also off the board. So let's look here. We got Killian Hayes, French point guard. I got some bad memories about a French point guard who came to New York. Um, maybe Kyra Lewis Jr. He's a point guard. Pair him next to R.J. Bear. Have have the fast and the and then the strong. You know, something like that. Lightning and thunder, as it were. Um, ultimately, I I think the swing. There's a swing to be had here. And it's with a guy that you know that you mentioned the Pistons had some interest in, and that's Patrick Williams. I know, I know it's a power forward, but the power forwards are making their way out of New York right now. And I think Patrick Williams, um, you know, he, he played a small role at Florida State because that's what Florida State does. Even Devin Vassell of Florida State, one of the, probably their best player in terms of college um, reputation, he played less than 30 minutes a game at the college level. It's just something that Florida State does with their minutes and how they allocate them. So, so I eyeball Patrick Williams as a guy who can who can accept a bigger role has the biggest like boom potential of anyone left in the draft. And if you're the Knicks, you need boom. Yeah. He's basically just multiple clay. I think defensively he gives you the question is, is he a three slash four or is he just a four? Um, and you know, th- I think that's just the question with him. But I mean, he again, he Florida State defenders. You just you're just already in. You're already locked in, um, and and you know that they're going to be good. And and with Patrick Williams, um, it's just offensively, what does he end up becoming? Is he just a three and D guy? Is the three is a shot there? Um, is he going to be more than that? I I don't know. And, and that's kind of the intrigue with him in this whole process. You know, being the guy who came off the bench in Florida State, so. Interesting. Again, Pistons are have been bare apparently just like stoking the fires of Patrick Williams, and basically every mock draft at this point in time has him slotted to them. So I'm glad. I'm glad you know we're we're breaking the mold here, if if for nothing else than just to give some variety. We did trade then, back, so you know we we blew our chance. We did trade chance. back. <laughs> we did we did blow our chance. We did. I think if we would have stayed there, would have had to do it just because. But um, instead, it, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit happier here. Um, I don't know if I'm happier, but, like, let's get something different here. Killian Hayes, everyone knows my affinity for him. Guess what? Here we go. Pistons, Killian Hayes, pick nine. You save yourself a little bit of money moving down from seven to nine, right? Maybe enough for the cost of the number 37 pick. Maybe it is the, you know, I I don't know. The idea is that he comes in, you can maybe slot him up alongside Luke Kennard, can't slot him alongside Bruce Brown anymore because Bruce Brown is gone. Maybe we're clearing way um, for someone in the backcourt. Not that you make a trade before the draft to, to you know signal anything, but it's not as if there aren't minutes to be had there. So maybe they cleared their defensive stopper Bruce Brown to bring in Patrick Williams. <laughs> could be as well. I mean, who knows what they've done? Uh, we really don't have anyone on the wing outside of Seku and uh, Tony Snell. So. It, as far as far as threes and be and above go, so we could, but I think that the opportunity for Killian to have the keys to the car um, and and just begin begin driving the Pistons, I think that would be a good um, a good option here with with the trade down. 
You get someone who you were targeting anyways, so you kind of view them in the same tier as, and, you know, get a 37th pick while you're at it. So, I think if Blake Griffin's healthy, he provides Killian Hayes a really nice front court mate to make some efficient offense with. Dribble handoffs, pick and roll, Blake Griffin in the short roll. I think he gives them a lot of options. And Right, and Blake Griffin is going to be there for at least – until the trade deadline, so you're, you'd be kind of pairing him there. I, I think if you do go for Killian, um, Derrick Rose is gone, but that's okay. Um, Phoenix still has the pick, traded for Chris Paul, right? You know, they have him now. They moved on from uh, uh, Kelly Oubre. They moved on from uh, Jim McHugh, Ty Jerome. Um, they moved on from Ricky Rubio. Clearing the way um, there, but basically they got rid of three point guards in this trade. Um, and so initially when we recorded this podcast, we said, we assumed no Chris Paul trade. Well, that was a poor assumption of of us, I suppose. Um, and, uh, Ethan, who do we have them selecting last time? Well, the last time we had them selecting Kyra Lewis Jr., um, speedy point guard to pair next to Devin Booker. I think a really good fit. Um, you know, the, uh, Suns also received Abdul Nader. So maybe, you know, in terms of backup, backup wing, you don't really have a need there anymore. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I don't think that's a sure. needle mover. I just wanted to include it in the deal since we talked everything else. And the the, the Thunder also received a 2022nd first round pick. True. Just to, you know, break the news, as it were, to some people. And I think, Richard, I don't know if there's anything to change about this pick here. No. I I mean, you, we texted with each other earlier like, ooh, well, when we're recording the pod, do we have to move on from Kyra Lewis and then we both kind of instantaneously thought, like, well, I mean, it's not like Chris Paul is going to be here for after, you know, a couple of years, maybe. He's got two more years. Um, I th- Is it two more years, three more years? Two more years this year, and he has years. an option for next year. Right. Two more years left in the books. He will pick up. He will pick that up. Uh, two more years left in the books. And let's go ahead and get it a guy who maybe by year three can develop into the starter alongside Devin Booker. We want Devin Booker not only to be satisfied in the short term, but also the long term. I think this is the smart move, the right play uh, in that regard. And, I mean, they've got guys at other spots. You've got Mikel Bridges, who's going to be on the wing. You you drafted Cam Johnson, who allowed you to move on from Kelly Oubre, right? You have uh, DeAndre Ayton, right? And you've got a bunch of other guys that are just there to slot alongside. I think that this is still probably their biggest need a point guard of the future and so i like i like this move yeah i do wonder if maybe a more combo guard tyrese maxi would be something that would fit Could here be. especially now that chris paul is there you know he will have the opportunity to you know learn some more point guard skills under chris paul but maybe he he has a little bit more of a scoring punch um that they need in the short term maybe that would have been a, a, a something to consider but i like kyra lewis i think his you know catch and shoot jumper is good and so playing off Booker and Chris Paul, that'll be helpful with. I, mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with this pick, but there, there is a chance that maybe they would go someone more combo guardy um, with the acquisition of Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, they could. I mean, you think about how Chris Paul fit in OKC with the three guards there, but I mean, there was still a smaller guard in uh, Dennis Schroeder, who's now um, on the Lakers. We'll talk about that later. But they, but they played three guards, and you honestly could probably do a little bit of that too. Could be the combo guard situation. But Tyra Lewis, I think you can do some stuff with him off ball too if you need to. Oh, I definitely know. He's he's got a good looking jump shot. So he's yeah. definitely more of a catch and shoot threat than he is a pull up threat. 
the San Antonio Spurs pick 11. Second pick, they already have Isaac Okoro in the fold. They've got all of their young guys except for Deontay Murray, who's now gone. But they seem to be a little bit, you know, a, a little bit thin at the forward position. Rudy Gay is not getting any younger. Could be gone, in fact. Um, you know, you've got the 4-5-ish LaMarcus Aldridge. He's old. He's not going to be here in a year, at least. He could be gone even sooner. You know, Jakob Pearl, you got to make a decision on him. So we're, we're having some forward, uh, maybe, you know, depth issue. I know that we drafted um, a guy at the end of the, end of the first round last year, but let, let's go ahead and keep going in that regard. Let's go, let's go ahead and take Denny of Dia. Patrick Williams, if he slid here, would also probably have been the pick over of Dia. But Avdia has slid for some reason as well. It's kind of a weird thing where you, some guys who you think go, are going top 10 slide out of it. Avdia is one of them for me where it's like, ooh, you know, curious that this happened. I think it's a great fit. Um, again, is the shot full all the way there? The shot doctor in San Antonio can make it happen. Um, you just got your your um, your wings of the future if you are San Antonio here uh, to go alongside all your guards. Yeah, I think you could have doubled down on the wings and went, went Devin Vassell. He's a guy who projects to be a good catch-and-shoot threat, someone to you know get out there. Which if Okoro you know, plays down, if the Spurs go small ball, he can, he slides in there and get will get plenty of minutes. I think um, if you're talking about Avdia, Sadiq Bey obviously comes to mind for me as a guy who's probably a little bit more ready-made. But if you're the Spurs, I, I do think you're a team that doesn't necessarily desire the guy who's just ready to go and be a contributor and you know shoot the – do, try, attempt to go 50 40 90 in the rookie season like Sadiq Bey is going to do but oh the you know, hot takes but but I think Denny Avdia is a really good gamble here for them to play next to Jacoperto he's got some f- playmaking flashes um playing next to Derek White should only require him to show the flashes not be the not be the engine I was not ready for the 50 40 90 take for for Sadiq Bey I'm here for it but wow I was not I was ill prepared for that Ooh. Well, it's spicy. It's, uh, keep an eye on it. Put it, put them on the tracker. Yikes. Okay. Um, so San Antonio goes any idea there. Sacramento Kings um, got a lot of got a lot of things to do, but a healed potentially to move and but then you also kind of have you got to give a contract to um, Boyan Bogdanovich. So they're trying to figure that out, but I don't know if it's Bogdan. Oh, Bogdan. I messed it, mess it up. Bogdan. You did mess it up. I messed it up. Sorry. Bogdan Bogdanovich there. And, and so, you know, if I think one of those guys is no longer on the team. Um, and so let's go ahead and just get somebody else in who's on a cheaper contract. Um, and so Devin Vassell, it's fallen enough. I think uh, the other Florida State um, product goes here. And, you know, solid defensive guy. You know, you could think about what he could possibly do in a backcourt with the Aaron Fox defensively. I think that would be really nice. Um what are your thoughts on the cell? Well, I think it's you a perfect it. fit for the Kings here. I think with the lineup they currently have, you got to be building with the mind of Bagley being the center in a closing lineup. And while I pitched a Precious Achua in the Elkin GM draft because I was like, well, maybe you want to coddle uh, Bagley and you can get away from the uh, get away from him playing center. I think the smart play is to eventually have him as your center. And I think Harrison Barnes slides down to the four. I think Vassell is a perfect closing lineup three. He's 6'7", got long arms, and he's got a credible jumper as long as he's not goofing around. And, you know, I think next to Fox, next to Bogdan, you all of a sudden have a team of all above average shooters, and Fox can just probe. 
We hope that we hope he was messing around. Um, we'll see. We do um, hope he was messing around. That was a scary video. Yep. Um, okay. So that was 12. Let's go to 13, the New Orleans Pelicans. And we should mention, um, you know, they, again, tried to think about moving Drew Holiday. Uh, you know, by the time it's all said and done, he might be off the team. Um, so we'll see what happens in that regard. Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, those are their two pillars going forward. It would, it would, it would seem. Um, they also got Lonzo Ball, but they got to make a decision on him by the end of the year. They, you know, JJ Redick is on the last year of his deal. You also already mentioned Drew Holiday could potentially be going out. I think that it makes sense for them to go guard here. Sadiq Bay could have been an option if you're trying to go small ball five Zion and try to have the right guy to fit in there. Um, Jalen Smith could be, this would be the highest I think he could possibly go. I think maybe a little bit of a reach at this point, but if you really want that tall um, center sized or, or, or I guess more, it's more height there um, to kind of go next to Zion, but to be able to stand in the corner to shoot threes, then he could be the guy. But I, th- I think we got to go guard here. I think that there's someone who, uh, I think Tyrese Maxey has fallen a little too far. I think that this is the range that he's probably going to go in um, somewhere around this late lottery spot. And I think that it is the right move with him, what he could do with Zion. I think he's going to be a better shooter um, as well in, in, in the NBA. I think that if you do some... Um, I think in transition, he makes sense next to Lonzo, uh, a, a guard who maybe isn't as uh, half-court. Um, let me go ahead and, and dribble and, and find a way to the paint and score. Like, I think he's a perfect fit alongside of their young pieces, and he can defend up if he needs to because he had to do that in Kentucky with their basically three-guard um, lineup. Yeah, no, Maxie's a guy who's a really tough kid for being as small as he is, he's six three and he's but he's feisty. He was guarding a lot of guys, but much bigger than him. He had minutes on Okoro when Kentucky was playing Auburn. Okoro uh, dwarfs him in uh, physical stature. Maxi, he's going to be a good half court basketball player. You know, Blue Williams is a comp people will throw out. You know, that 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 kind of you know wiry score. His jump shot's going to have to come off his forehead at some point. He's going to have to be able to get to that in different ways. But Lou Williams has a low set shot and he gets to it all the time too. So maybe there is a a path to be followed. But I I agree with you. If you're if you're trying to make sure if Lonzo's going to be part of this team, he's a he's a good fit next to him. Where Lonzo's a little bit bigger, so he can help with this guarding up, but also Maxi um, is able to operate in the half court with a pick and roll of Zion with a pick and pop with Ingram or, you know, potentially any other bigs they acquire. He's going to be a good uh, dribbler in the half court setting, be able to get to his spots, hopefully get to the line. I think, I think he'll have some creative finishing, um, but it's, it's, his jumpers going to have to come around a little bit because otherwise people aren't going to respect him. And if he's not making the contested jump shots here and there, it's going to be a tough, tough road to hoe for him. Yep. Um, Next pick, the Boston Celtics are sad because they couldn't trade up. And because Boston couldn't trade up, because Detroit messed it up, uh, used them as leverage, they don't really know what to do here. They got three picks, and they missed out on their center. So they make a few phone calls. Indiana Pacers, you you, you kind of swung this here, Ethan. You said, hey, Miles Turner, are you available? And and they began to work out the trade. You, I believe, came up with this. So go ahead and uh, speak to your to your thoughts here on this. So the, I'll, I'll spit out the trade first. The trade is Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb for Gordon Hayward and this 14th pick. 
Now, originally, I had pitched that it would be Gordon Hayward as an expiring deal, and they would be the 14th and then either the 26th or the 30th pick to uh, compensate the fact that, like, you know, you're getting Turner for years, and we're getting uh, the Pacers getting Hayward for one year. Um, we were able to then say, hey, Hayward, would you like to do a sign-and-trade to relocate to the Pacers, have your number hit, get them below the luxury tax, and also, you know, you're returning home. Here's some money. You know, I think somewhere around close to the hundred million dollar over four year contract. You know, you can start it lower and have it go up, or you can, I would say, do it flat at at best. You don't want to have it descending because then you're still in the luxury tax problems. If you're the Celtics, you're getting your center that you desperately need, someone who can assist in the BAM problem that exists, in the Giannis problem that we didn't get to see if it was a problem, but I would say Giannis is always a problem. And also, there's a guy named Kevin Durant, who's going to be assaulting your wings come this next season. And it would be good to have some backups through those wings. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum can really press up on the, you know, the sniper that they got out there and force him to go and settle for mid-rangers. So I would say... Miles Turner fixes a lot of the Celtics' problems. Gordon Hayward gets a fresh leaf as he's been snake-bitten in Boston. I think this is a great place, a great trade. I I uh, sympathize with the Pacers fans who like the double big lineup. You know, maybe there's some some Davis brothers stuff that they have some great memories of. But for as good as Sabonis and Turner are together, I do think they will be, be even better when separated. So... Um, do, do, we, do we talk about the Gordon Hayward sign and train aspect yes, of this? Yes, somewhere okay. between uh, $100 million total over four gotcha. years, maybe a little I, bit less. I think that the fact that, um, yeah, Boston's willing to do that, they don't have to throw it in their end of the first round pick. Um, for for Boston, like you mentioned before, I like it. Um think that's necessary. I don't know if you know Tice, why well, I like him. I, I, I don't know. Don't know if he does it, um, but Indiana gets kind of a reboot. And did you did you say who they who they got? I did not say their pick. The Pacers are going to select R.J. Hampton. So here's a guy. Um, if you remember from the Elkin Pod, we <laughs> I, I coerced him to believe in him and Romeo Langford are very similar prospects. I I don't know if I like either of them better or worse. I am a Romeo Langford believer. You know, Indiana boy, gotta love him. But anyway, I think R.J. Hampton, a fun prospect. He's pretty quick, to say the least. Um, he went overseas, kind of got forgotten in the process. He was playing at Kansas next to, uh, oh man, I just forgot his name. But the really fast point guard they got over there, I think Kansas would have been a, Devon Dotson. He would have been a very scary prospect out there. I think he probably would be a higher pick. So I, you got, you got to gamble on this potential if you're Indiana, especially with a potentially disgruntled Oladipo um, in your mists. Yeah, I, I think having the potential Oladipo replacement is the move here. RJ Hampton, um, again, if the Pistons were to trade all the way down here, it would have he would have to have been available. Um, if he would have gone to, say, New Orleans, which I think could have been in the cards as well, then I think Tyrese Maxey, I don't, I don't like that for the Pistons, and, and they would have been out in the, uh, the cold. Um, RJ Hampton, if the shot comes around, and, you know, he's athletic as all get out, and... I think that it would be a wise move to not only do that, but get Gordon Hayward. And he's going to be good again if if they do this trade. They'll be they'll be solid, making the playoffs like they always do. It's always like, who does Indiana have? And then, oh, they're the four seed, <laughs> the five seed again. Uh, how, how'd that happen? And I, I think you see something like that again with uh, Indiana, especially if they were to make this move. Yeah, as long as, long as the bonus comes back healthy, trading Turner is not a dangerous game. 
Yep. Um, out of the lottery now. Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic, uh, we, we did have an opt-in with Evan Fournier. Now, Evan Fournier um, is only one more year left and potentially, I think, could be expendable if they could find the right move, right trade for him. I mean, with Jonathan Isaac going down, you're kind of in a tough spot. Chumo Okiki is there. Um, he'll, he'll be there uh, for Orlando this next year. Um, you have, you know, Aaron Gordon there, but without Isaac, you know, what are we really going for here? Are we really trying to make the eight seed again this year? I I don't know. With Jonathan Isaac out, I think that's a tough ask. So let's, we could try to find someone like Sadiq Bay. I think would be kind of a good stopgap in that situation and potentially a good fit long-term. But for me, I just want to find the right pairing next to Markel Fultz. I want to make sure that I've got someone who can shoot, someone who can defend, someone who fits the mold with a long wingspan. And that would be Aaron Neesmith with his 6'10 wingspan, 6'6 body, who was the best percentage three-point shooter in the NCAA last year. Don't know if he's going to be the best three-point shooter out of this draft in the NBA, but that's at least what he was in college. And so bring him in, sign him up. He had um, an injury, but I think he will, you know, it's been a, a while. It's been enough time. He'll be fine. He'll be ready to go. So what do you think about this move, Aaron Smith? I'm a big fan of it. I think this year, if you make the playoffs, that's great. Fine. Totally gr- good. Good stuff all around. But this year should be about deciding if Fultz, Jumei Okiki, and whatever this pick is are going to be good around Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac is the kind of defender that you can build a defense around. I truly believe that. And so all these guys playing without him this year, you need to find out how effective they can be. And so I think anything you can do to make Markel Fultz make his plate easier, Neesmith spacing, that's good for him. I That's good. Chumio Kiki was a good 38% three-point shooter in college. He was a good fit for Fultz. And if, if that ends up being the line of Vucevic, Okiki, Isaac, Neesmith, and Fultz, it might just work out. There's a lot of score, There's a lot of shooting there aside from the Fultz position. Not to mention, Terrence Ross is to be on the roster, flamethrower off the bench. So I think it's a, it's a really good trade here. You know, I, I, I am being a little preachy talking about Okiki in the starting lineup. You know, there still is Aaron Gordon there at this moment. But... You gotta draft players that, if Fultz is the year, one of your investments, you gotta make a decision on him this year. And I think Neesmith, good player for the future because he can always shoot. Always needs six six wings that can shoot. He's the pick. Sign him up. Fultz, here's your shooter. Yep, I think Max would have been a good would, would have been a good pick here if he would have fallen as well. But I, I like the fit here. And you know what? Maybe it's just collusion because guess what happens, Ethan. Portland Trailblazers are taking Sadiq Bay. We don't need to talk about it at all because it's it's clear. It's Sadiq Bay is what I've wanted for the Blazers this entire draft process. It it made sense. I don't. I feel like we did collude, but you know it was fair collusion. Yeah, only, only minimal collusion. Just just a little bit. It was like yeah, you we could have Sadiq Bay in Orlando, but let's push. Let, let's just go ahead and go a different direction. Chume Okiki's there, man. How are you going to, how are you going to draft over Chume Okiki? The guy who decided to postpone his NBA contract for you. Yeah. Come on. You, you can't, you can't do that. Um, you can't be a dirty dog like that. You can't draft over the guy who literally put his career on hold for you. Yep. Indeed. Um, so Sadiq Bay goes to Portland Trailblazers, desperately feeling the three, four slot that they need 
um, with Trevor Reza and I guess Carmelo Anthony. I guess he's still there. Um, He'll probably come he, back he, at a hopefully a really cheap deal because I with Mario Hazonia who opted in. He will, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so there you go. Um, now the Timberwolves on the clock again, seventeen. But again, they also have you know desires to to win somehow in the West. Man, the West is loaded. If you just go through and look at the teams, it's like there's there's a good four teams that are missing the playoffs before I think about the Wolves, but they need to make a move. And so the move that I think that they make, um, that I threw into, into NBA trade.com and what, what came out was Wolves trade number 17 and James Johnson's contract. Sorry, Ethan, James Johnson's contract, not him, just the contract for Orlando's Aaron Gordon. So Orlando back on the clock with the Wolves slotting Aaron Gordon alongside in that power forward role that they just really have nobody. I mean, Watcher Herring Gomez is like the only guy, only body they have there who plays that position. And so let's go ahead and, and bring Aaron Gordon in, fill that role, got a little bit of spacing, uh, both at now at year four and five, got some athleticism inside and out. I like it for the Timberwolves. And Orlando gets another, gets another uh, crack at it. Yeah, Orlando gets a cr- another crack at it, and we're talking about guys like what we what we just spent you know two minutes or five minutes talking about last time. H- who's going to help you make the decision on Markel Fultz? Who's going to be the guy who pairs well with Markel Fultz? I think Markel Fultz is a good player, actually. Like I, I know he's had his 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 wild journey through the NBA, but the man has no threat of a jump shot and still gets to the rim with relative ease. We haven't seen him in the playoffs other than you know that like, playing the Raptors or whoever they played this year, but they. It was a Bucks, wasn't it? I'm terrible. Um, anyway, we haven't seen him play against the next level when things are even t- more tight and tightening up. Um, but they need another player who can shoot. And I would say this is a team who's in the market for swings. Tyrell Terry. Um, and not only do you get someone who could play alongside, because he played off ball more than you would imagine for someone who comes in as a um you know, a point guard uh, kind of guy. He played off ball enough that you you could slot him alongside Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is big enough, can defend up, that, you know, he could guard Tyrell Terry, could guard point guards. And if things don't work out for, you know, you with Markel Fultz, guess what? Maybe Tyrell Terry is your point guard of the future. So I I like it. The only reason why this doesn't happen is Tyrell Terry has a negative wingspan. And if we know anything about the Orlando Magic is they don't do that. But if everyone else has a, has a positive wingspan... Maybe you can just survive with one guy having yeah. an negative wingspan. Perhaps they, they can cover the deficit, as it were. Yep. On to the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks coming off a really impressive playoff showing as a seven seed, facing off against the Los Angeles Clippers. Luka Doncic is the guy. He is the dude. Christopher Zingas hopefully can put together an entire healthy season. That'd be really nice. Um, Richard, they need. Scores. They need guys who can shoot. They need guys who just make Luca's life easier. And this is why, and this is where, we select one of our favorite prospects in the draft, especially your favorite prospect in the draft, Desmond Bain. Yep. Desmond Bain. Easiest, easiest decision we've made. Even, I mean, just rivaling that of Sadiq Bay to the Portland Trailblazers, Desmond Bain to the Dallas Mavericks is basically just, it's a wonderful thing. They could go Alexei Pogoshevsky, but it, but it would be a mistake when you can go with. Desmond Bain and get someone who can come in immediately and help out a team um, contending for the playoffs. 
You can slot him alongside Luka Doncic. He is a big uh, switchable defender. Doesn't have the length as far as wingspan. That's that's one of the knocks on him, other, also being a little bit older. But my man can shoot. I think he's the best um, shooter in the draft. I think that he can um, do a lot as far as passing and, mo- and moving the ball. This Desmond Bain is, is, I think, one of the perfect people who I would select to be alongside Luka Doncic. And, and so it just makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, when we're talking about smart spending for the Mavericks, they got a guy like Seth Curry who's who's been around. They got a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. who's coming up on the last year of his contract. Desmond Bain makes it easier to let a Tim Hardaway Jr. go and not overpay just to keep around production. Because I think Desmond Bain's going to basically do the exact same thing that that um, Tim Hardaway did. I think there's a lot, lot going on with that. And if you can put out, and even for this next year, you can put out a lineup with Seth Curry, Bain, Hardaway, Luka, and Przingis. When Luka's your worst shooter, you're in a good spot. Now, let's go ahead and get to the next one. Now, now this is an interesting... So, the Nets had this pick. And I got to say, I when we were talking pre-pod, thinking about, okay, well, do we have to change anything because Chris Paul to the Phoenix uh, Suns? Uh, eh, let's go ahead and keep it. Um, and we didn't really talk about this because we had a trade that we had the Nets making here for one Drew Holiday. 19, Karis LeVert, Torian Prince for Drew Holiday. But it would appear that there are bigger fish to fry um, with the with the Nets. And so I don't know if we want to back out. The problem with backing out is that it messes up basically every pick from, from here on out and just makes it more difficult. Uh, sh- should we just say what the trade was and, and just make make, make make the move? Or Yeah, we should we should say what the trade was, make the move, and... Offer maybe a just, hypothetical of who would the Houston want in a potential and James Harden trade? For what it's worth, Houston is pivoting. Daryl Moore is out. They might want who we ended up picking. Go ahead. They Tell could. The trade. Okay, so so yeah, we mentioned before, Nets trade, 19, Karis LeVert and Torian Prince for Drew Holiday. Torian Prince, just the salary. Karis LeVert, the right now, you can put him in your lineup alongside um, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and um, that whole that whole squad there. You know, kind of go young in, in that regard. I um, would like Drew Holiday on the Nets, but the New Orleans Pelicans then utilize that to select Jalen Smith, which I think is a better kind of pick range for him at, at the end of the teens rather than at the beginning of the teens. So Jalen Smith, catch and shoot threes, got shoulders for days. He can uh, be your stretch big next to Zion to allow Zion to dominate the paint while you stand in the corner. Um, that's if this trade happens. But again, let's say the Nets don't do this trade. Um, let's say that they decide to, they find something for Harden, and um, in which case you would all but guarantee this trade, this pick to go to Houston. I mean, you mentioned Jalen, you said, hey, maybe Jalen Smith could fit in there. I mean, maybe. Um I don't know who else might make sense for for them at this spot. Well, if you're talking about Houston blowing it up, which if you trade James Harden, you're blowing it up. I think it's it's potential plays, and so there is a potential for Pokashevsky. There is a potential for Jaden McDaniels. There is potential for a Theo Maldon super early because he's a, a a young guard. He's someone who is coming over. He's has all the intentions of doing that. So it's one of those kinds of things. Maybe even a pressure to Chua, even though he's not of the younger variety. 
can we give Cole Anthony his own team here? Sure. Why not? If you want to take a guy with potential things, I he has the potential of being a basketball player, so that's good. And, you know, just to, I guess, just to have some sort of excitement offensively. See, he'll, he'll, you know, do, do a few things offensively that, that you know, make a team um, excited. The question is, is he going to be your, your, your guy long-term? Well, guess what? If you're blowing it up, you basically don't have a long-term plan. So uh, it depends to the extent with which you blow it up. But if, if it's that Nets trade, ooh, yeah, I don't so know. I, just for record, I did a little money thing on Trade NBA just to see like how little in terms they have to send out in terms of money. They will be paying the heavy, 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 heavy tax. But if, you, if you're the Rockets, you can accept Jared Allen, Turian Prince, and Karis LeVert for straight for James Harden and then obviously all the picks you ever need um but that that works for the money per trade NBA yeah I I mean it probably also bring Dinwiddie over just because um it would be nice to and 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 who are who are the Nets to say no in that regard for getting James Harden oh 100% um I I would say I wonder if I guess yeah no matter what you take everything you can if you're the Rockets because you can send it all back out for more young players someone exactly any team is going to want a a Dinwiddie yeah Dinwiddie's a very good player Yep. So there's that kind of a wishy-washy approach. We're just going to leave Jalen Smith to the Pelicans here, just knowing that, that that may not happen now with new information. Miami Heat, 20th pick. Ethan, take it away. Yeah, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't think it's a very creative pick here. There's not. What, what do the Heat need, right? They, what I saw in the finals is they needed a backup center. So in, in my heart of hearts, I really give a lot of consideration to Xavier Tillman here because I like what I see with him. But I, I, I do wonder if... If um in the real NBA draft, if he would be available early second round, um, and we'll see if that comes to fruition today. But I think the Heat are in a very pr- privileged spot here, where they made the finals with a team that probably in most years would have a hard time replicating that success. And I I look at the round, I see Goran Dragic is retainable, I see Iguodala is still on the contract, I see Jay Crowder. I guess they could bring back the exact same roster without any problems. And then that's, you know, a finals roster. I think this is a good year to take a swing, especially when you're waiting on cap space to maybe sign Giannis Antetokounmpo in a year. Um, Pokachevsky is the pick here. And you say, I got my center, who can make up for some of the physical limitations of Pokachevsky. I got Jimmy Butler, who, if you put Pokachevsky in between them, he makes up for the limitations there as well. Not to mention... With those physical limitations, maybe rebounding is affected if he ever played, you know, center. We're dealing without Kelly Olynyk already. That's a that's the thing I want to fix with a potentially getting Javier Tillman. But if not, we still have the same problem if Kelly Olynyk is playing those mids, who is a seven footer who is thicker but still a very skinny, unphysical player, unless he's ripping out Kevin Love's arm. So I think Pulisevsky's yeah. the guy. You take the gamble on this guy can spray as a seven footer. Have an even more unblockable guy out there. Duncan Robinson's already pretty tough to block because he gets the shot off so quickly. Get another seven footer out there that can that can spray. Maybe he can play alongside Bam if he's got a little bit more lateral quickness than a Kelly Olynyk. I like it. It just it just makes the, it's the right kind of gamble for the Heat. Yep, especially in this type of draft. I mean, Malachi Flynn could be there if if you want. I mean, you know, uh, um, to to your chagrin, Cole Anthony is is mocked here semi semi regularly, but. Uh, yeah, just take take the gamble. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Um, for for all the point guards that are mocked to the Heat, 
they have to be able to shoot. They have to be an improvement of a catch-and-shoot player over Kendrick Nunn. I don't think that's Cole Anthony. Malachi Trey Flynn. Jones? Malachi Flynn might. Trey Jones at least has the defensive um, aspect. aspect it, he's better, of a catch, better as a catch-and-shoot three-point guy than an off-the-dribble one. But I understand the, like, you look at Trey Jones and you say, can he shoot? And usually it's the... I don't know if he could shoot that well, but but my my whole thing is I do want a replacement for Kendrick Nunn because I think Kendrick Nunn with his I mean he played really well this year I I don't want to take away from COVID you know maybe you could have been a better playoff player whatever but you got to improve off that position if you want to take a forward step not just stay the same stay the same could still get the Heat to the finals it could happen but if you want to take a forward step improving off Kendrick Nunn is is important I don't think there's a draft pick here that does that. Perhaps not. Um, the next pick is incredibly obvious. We're not going to spend much time on it because we made it previously in the previous mock. Malachi Flynn to the Philadelphia 76ers. It just makes sense. They they need some guy who can um, uh, run a run a pick and roll with their guys. I mean, I just I want to see a Ben Simmons um, Malachi Flynn pick and roll. That's what I want to see. Ben Simmons rolling to the hoop. Ooh, it'll be good. Um, uh, and with James Harden off to the side and, and uh, Joel Embiid over in Houston. Just kidding. It's probably not, probably not happening there. But um, I, just, I just I want it. I want Malachi Flynn to the Sixers. If it happens, I'll be happy. Um, the Denver Nuggets. It's confirmed that Paul Millsap is, you know, mowing options. It is confirmed that Jer- Jeremy Grant has opted out. So he is going to be test free agency. Both these things were assumed and known. Um, I think there's a good spot to get some insurance on those guys. And when I look around, I see the best insurance package for those two players um, being Precious Achua. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that you could argue Xavier Tillman, but um, Precious Achua, you know, can get either as well. Just defensively, um, he probably, I think, is a little bit better on that end than Xavier Tillman. It's just Xavier Tillman has a much better offensive versatility at the moment um, with the ability to shoot, facilitate, and all that stuff. But yeah, I like Precious Chua. I think that it is a um, a good option uh, there. Keep in mind, we have group thought um, Tillman to the Nuggets to replace the Plumley, but yeah. perhaps the Plumley is um, someone Mike Malone likes. Keep in mind, he threw him in there at the end of games all the time for no reason. So I don't. I think Plumley is going to be harder to pry away from the Nuggets than uh, than one would actually think. Yep. Um, Utah Jazz. Um, someone who also could have been there, Josh Green, I think, for the Nuggets. But Josh Green falls to the Jazz. I think Josh Green is a great fit alongside, uh, in the future, um, alongside Donovan Mitchell. Um, I, again, don't know if we ever reach the potential to where you are um, starting um, alongside of him and, and, and it's it's a dynamic uh, backcourt or anything like that, but I think that he fits a need. He's a potential 3 and D guy. You need those types of guys. You already have Royce O'Neal there. Um, you, you, you extended him, but, you know, Joe Ingles is not getting any younger, and you are... You just might just be in need of, of that type of player uh, eventually when you probably have to move Donovan Mitchell back to kind of the point guard situation when one of Mike Conley moves on. And, and so I like that. I like the Josh Green angle here. Yeah, I think some interchangeability with Royce O'Neal is important. Jo- Joe Ingles could, I mean, just physically, he could fall off a cliff at any point just because he's already physically limited. And if, if it goes any further down that road, you're you're asking a lot. And I think... I think Josh Green is—he's incredibly physically gifted, uh, so he's—he's a, he's a two-three, and I think you know, depending on how small you want to go with Rudy Gobert, especially he—he he can switch around a lot of other positions as well. Um, you could 
go super small and that way Rudy Gobert hopefully can just, you know, play the play the toe dance down there to stay out of the out of the lane and kind of do like a four almost like a four out zone <laughs> just keep it running people off the three point line. I think Josh Green's a great great value pick here for them. Our next pick, the Milwaukee Bucks. Really no one here who's going to be a value or help to them. They would have thought about Malachi Flynn, but he's gone. So with, I mean, we, we, we sent Cole Anthony here last time. We're not going to do that this time. We wanted to change it up. And uh, since they want an impact guy, they got to convince Giannis to stick around. Um, the It makes me a little bit sad considering what happened with Bruce Brown um, today. But Luke Kennard, I don't know how comfortable you can feel if you're, if you're him. I think something like the Bucks trading number 24 and um, you decided to throw in DJ Wilson uh, to kind of make it official. To Detroit for Luke Kennard. They saw up close and personal um, a year ago in the first round. Luke Kennard was actually really hurting the um, Milwaukee Bucks. I think that he could be a um, a really good facilitator, um, a guy who can you can put on ball. You've got the defense defensive presence all around to cover for him. I think he really makes a whole lot of sense. Him and his um, his, his shooting, facilitating, and if things go south with Giannis, guess what? You now have a qualifying offer for Luke Kennard, and you could potentially go ahead and offer him a restricted free agent contract. You can have a lot of flexibility at the end of the year. It makes a lot of sense to me, even though as a Luke Kennard fan for Detroit, I am a little bit sad, but that's the move. And the Pistons get another pick here, which, you know, it's a podcast. I want to do it. Well, for the record, I like it. I I approve this. I think you know, I thought I thought of it, even though I, you might have, you know, you, you're the one who fed it in. But Luke Kennard playing for the Bucks is great. Um, he could start for this team, especially, I mean, Eric Bledsoe. I mean, questionable sometimes. Um, Dante DiVincenzo, up and down so far in his career. Potentially a Dante DiVincenzo-Luke Kennard lineup in the future if Giannis is gone, also an option. I, I just think this is a great move for them to in terms of asset allocation. Luke Kennard, I don't imagine getting an incredible, like, blow-your-mind type of offer. And if you're the Bucks, you know, small market team, acquire, acquiring and retaining talent like Luke Kennard at value is going to be something they want to do, regardless if Giannis stays or not. Because having, having the ability to have Milton, DiVincenzo, Kennard, Bledsoe, that combination in their, you know, one spot into the front court and back court, that's that's a playoff team in the East most years. Yep. Assuming health is around the roster. Yeah, I, I agree. I And with uh, Wes Matthews being on the way out of there, potentially, um, they might just need another body as well. Obviously, he's not the same kind of defensive guy as, as Wes, Wes Matthews is. But, again, I think bringing some offensive value there. So Detroit making another trade with the Milwaukee Bucks, trading for, their, um, uh, for a pick from them. Jaden McDaniels is the last guy who has a whole bunch of upside. And, I mean, I don't think... Uh, Zalamusa prohibits us from trading for a power forward. Um, so let's go ahead and do it. Jaden McDaniels upside play there. Uh, who knows? Maybe he doesn't turn into anything, but you know, the extra gamble and swing and you don't have to make a decision on him like you do after, uh, for Luke Kennard at the end of this year. So let's do it. Yep. Jaden McDaniels getting to see a guy like Blake Griffin, who's learned to play, who was an athletic specimen who learned to play under control. Maybe there's some lessons to be learned there for however long Blake Griffin is a piston. Yep. The Oklahoma City Thunder 
Very, very sad that Troy Weaver stuck right in front of their noses to select Jaden McDaniels. Um, very sad, very upset at, at this whole, um, how this all happened. They probably, it, when it actually comes out, they probably don't let it happen. They probably, if they see it, they now have the capital uh, to move up if they wanted to. Um, so, but they're stuck here with sending out Chris Paul, with sending out um, you know Dennis Schroeder. They're in need of more point guards. They had a three-point guard lineup that worked for them. Obviously, Billy Donovan's no longer there, but they just promoted from within. So, you know, some of the similar concepts uh, you've got there. Let's go ahead and give a point guard there. Cole Anthony, um, you know, someone who might dominate the ball. Chris Paul dominates the ball a little bit. Obviously, Chris Paul is Chris Paul, but let's go ahead and just throw Cole Anthony out there. Him alongside of Shea, I think um, we've got the beginnings of something at least interesting there. And you can take a gamble. You can take a swing on this type of player if you're OKC because you have a million picks coming your way. Well, the prototype that Schroeder was coming in to OKC was kind of in what I view Cole Anthony as. It's kind of like an inefficient volume shot taking. Wish he was a better facilitator point guard. And so I think if you saw, I mean, obviously, I think Chris Paul had a lot to do with how um, Schroeder performed. But mm-hmm. Shea's, Shea's a good player to play with in his own right. Like you saw uh, the, the entire Clippers roster last year, I think, outperformed their uh, expectations. Partially due to Shea being a really good player that wasn't expected to be. And, I mean, I expect him to be. I don't get that twisted. I'm a big Shea guy. Yeah. But I think Cole Anthony, for what's all the all the things mean things I say about him, I think this would be a great landing spot for him. Have some opportunity to run free when Shea is resting. Good spot for him. To be clear, I'm okay with Cole Anthony going anywhere in the 20s. Um, I think that in the teens, a little bit too early, especially with some of the guys that we have there. Um, but anywhere in the 20s, I'm I'm down for. I'm on board with. I think, I think it would be it would be fun. 20 not included. 20 not I. The 20s. <laughs> After that, okay, fair enough. Let's go to Boston Celtics. Um, 26th pick. They have this one. It's going to be a stash. One of these picks, if they hold on to them, has to be a stash. Leandro Bomaro, send him out there. Um, I don't care for Bomaro that much. Reminds me, like, with, with what ended up happening with Mario Hazonia, just being in the same jersey, be, being a similar um, kind of build and this, this, this kind of, like, larger wing. It just, I'm out. I'm out on him personally, but uh, the you know Boston can just say, hey, keep playing over over in Barcelona at least for another year or so, and don't gotta worry about it. Biggest problem with Bomaro and me is like I think he almost has a, like not, it's not a hitch, but it's a pause in his jump shot. He gets set, he gets moving up, and then he doesn't really finish in fluid motion. He gets to the apex, and then it's a wrist flick, and I hate that about his jump shot. I don't know how you fix a thing like that. People were also doing some weird stuff where they thought that maybe something was wrong with his ankle. Where is this weird thing where where he's shooting like he his heels lifting his like left heel is lifting off before the rest of his body, so it's he's not not like jumping at the same time. It's like a uh, he'll get up now. I'm jumping off off of the off of my toes, my left foot, but off my entire right foot, and so it was a kind of a weird looking thing. I, if I can find it, I'll send it to you, Ethan. But um, it, just some weird stuff with the shot. Um, don't know if I buy it, but hey, swing and a stash if your Boston seems fine to me. New York Knicks, 27th pick. They already took Patrick Williams uh, early on. They got R.J. Barrett. Some point guards that, you know, I think went a little bit earlier than, than you know, would you wanted. Again, you don't want the French point guard, so we're going we're gonna to ignore um, Maladon here. Um, 
Let's go ahead and take an upside swing. Jemias Ramsey, neither one of us really like him that much, but he's got some tools. He's got some, he's got, he's got a nice frame. It's one of those kind of like, can this guy really shoot? Um, he he likes to be on the ball, likes to, likes to consider himself a scorer, but is it really there? I mean, we had, you know, inklings of, you know, this type of player in the past. This is about to where they slide. Jemias Ramsey, you put him in with, with Coach Tibbs. Maybe you can have him be more, a more consistent and reliable defender um, over the course of uh, you know his, his early rookie um, contract. I didn't love what I saw from, from Ramsey um, with the effort in the end. I think putting him with Tibbs would make him useful in that regard. And if the jump shot is real, even though the free throws percentage is pretty low, you know, maybe maybe we, maybe we got something there in Jemias Ramsey. I think it's I think it's a swing that you can take. I have a lot of concerns over his uh, energy out there. I think the first game I watched him, I was actually kind of impressed. I was like, oh, that shot does look pretty good. But then even throughout that game, it was you could tell there was phases where he was no longer interested in playing basketball um, or being involved with some of the actions, and he just kind of faded. Now, granted, Texas Tech does some weird stuff defensively. They, they do run a zone, and I think if you're someone who has those uh, tendencies, zones are more likely to bring those out of you because – it's, it's less hard to look embarrassed in a zone because you're in your spot, right? If you're man-to-man you're man to, and you're not paying attention, he cuts behind you and gets a layup, it's obviously your fault. He would kind of shuffle in for the rebounds, and then the ball would go to his zone, and he didn't get that. And I that that made me really nervous. You know, if you're going to play a zone in college, you got to be kind of got to be ready to rebound, and that wasn't something he seemed enthused about, which again makes me nervous. But in terms of an upside swing, he's got a lot of physical tools. His jump shot, you know, at the point of release, does not look bad. Like it doesn't look awful. So there's some truth to it. That's how I would phrase it. And if you're a team like New York, this guy's a young guy. He's got physical tools. I think sending Trey Jones here again is the pick I would love to make because Trey Jones is a is a Tibbs guy through and through. But in the interest of diversity, let's go with a different player. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Trey Jones, even Maladon, even though you know, we make the little jokes, I think those would be um, interesting plays here. But let's go Ramsey. Um, well, the Lakers traded number 28 and um, Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder. So the Oklahoma City... Thunder are back on the clock. We, I wanted the Lakers to take Trey Jones here, so that was kind of the purpose of let's go ahead and not send him to the Knicks again, and then that whole Collusion. thing got kiboshed. Exactly. So let's go ahead and we'll go Maladon. We we two guards for the um for the for the Thunder. So let's go back in the three guard um you know three guard lineups. I think that these three guards especially do enough different things that it, it just, it makes things a little bit, it allows you to have um, diversity while you're out there, be able to defend um, relatively well. I like it. Get Mallet on there. He's not a stash guy. Um, I think he wants to be in the States this upcoming year. So there you go. I do wonder if um, San Antonio would be interested in him as he played for Tony Parker's team overseas. <laughs> you're right. Maybe, maybe we should maybe, maybe that is where he uh, ends up coming um, because you know, different intrigues and different interests. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, Raptors, 29th pick. Can't believe we let it happen. Someone could also scream collusion, but Xavier Tillman, here we go. Um, I think this is a phenomenal pick, especially with Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka potentially not being there next year. They need a guy who can um, 
you know, be able to do things at the top of the key like those guys usually do, um, be a solid defender, which he is, um, be a professional, and just fit into their defensive scheme. It would be a snag of a deal if Toronto could get Xavier Tillman over. I guess they're not going to be in Toronto next year, but um, wherever they play, get him there. Well, I think even the best thing about Xavier Tillman is we talk about Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, and I think they're better players as a whole. But something Xavier Tillman is going to do better than those two, I think, immediately. And it's something that if you watch you know, strength and, strengths and weaknesses videos, they'll pinch into strength. And I always am kind of like, ah, cool. I'm glad that's a strength. But post-scoring, Xavier Tillman, when, all those, when he sets all them screens for Kyle Lowry, for potentially Fred Van Vliet if he is retained, all of a sudden they do a switch. Xavier Tillman runs to the paint. Maybe he's not there on the roll, but if the team doesn't switch back, Xavier Tillman is going to eat people alive. He will want the ball, and he will want to score it. Whereas Marc Gasol, not a guy who wants to go to the paint all that often anymore. He'll go down there to help with the rebounding, but he's not someone who's trying to score. Serge Ibaka, he's learning that he's going to keep getting paid the better he shoots that three ball, so he's not going down there all that often. Um, I think Xavier Tillman opens up some more dynamics for Pascal Siakam with his ability to spread and also his ability to finish, be there on the short roll. Something, someone to dump off to when you get there. He's going to occupy some space. I think he's a perfect fit for the Raptors. Perfect. Let me just say that if we were doing all this again, um, and I'm moving on to, to pick 30 here at this point, um, I would trade. I, w- I would. I would have made the trade with the 26th pick and just you know we could have Bomaro get stashed here at 30 because um, the Celtics had this pick, but we were like you know what they now that they have a center. They need to get off of Enos Cantor. No need to have him, you know, Tyson, Robert, um, Robert Williams. So let's go ahead and trade 30 and Enos Cantor to San Antonio for 41 and Chemezi Metu. Can can we just like retroactively um, get Theo Maladon to the Spurs by having him, having them trade up for the 26th pick and say, Oklahoma City Thunder, sorry, you made the pick. But yeah, he's actually going to San Antonio instead, just like we did with Jaden McDaniels. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I know, I know. Let's, let's, let's not do that. Let's not do that. So we had them going in here. Um, Robert Woodard II. Uh, just you know, who else could we have sneak in here who was maybe in the top half of the second round um, just to make Boston's contract not be fully guaranteed um, so they could do some you know, finagling with their roster, uh, someone that they could cut in May to, in May to, um uh, you know, and, and stretch if they need to to get off of that canter money and not have to pay that fully guaranteed thirtieth pick. So you know, Robert Wood the th- the second maybe that makes sense for the Spurs to just also shore up that um, uh, large wing spot on their team. Yeah, I think it's I think at, with the Spurs it's like all right we we're we're drafting wings here. We you know we got Evdia, we got Okoro. Here's Robert Woodard. This is just depth pieces, depth pieces. I think the other guys who you should be in consideration, uh, maybe the Spurs could sit where they're currently at. Like if you want to think about the Spurs not making a draft day trade, everyone. Um, guys like Isaiah Joe, Cassius Stanley, um, Paul Reed as a versatile defender, like Jordan Nora as a shooter. Like these are all guys that the Spurs should be interested in getting because while they have you know like a Brent Forbes that they can retain, they have Patty Mills on roster, they have Derek White, they might not trade Deontay Murray. I'm I'm just throwing all these names out here to remind people like the Spurs should be looking to get more wings in the fold. I think Jakob Pertl is a perfectly suitable starting center. Um, I think he's you know very similar to Zubac who we saw for the Clippers have pretty good success in the postseason. 
I think, you know, Robert Woodard, all those guys I mentioned are people the Spurs uh, should be eyeballing even at their pick 41 if this kind of trade doesn't happen. But it happened here. Robert Woodard, enjoy the, uh, the gray and black jerseys of San Antonio. There it is. We made it all the way through 30, even if we wanted some mulligans along the way, Ethan. Um, and uh, you know, I hope my audio my, my audio is good. I'm sure that it is. I mean, if anyone's hearing this, then I guess it was good. Um, uh, we, we, we did our best to make it, make it better. Anything else you want to talk about before we just cut out here? And, and this is the last pod before the actual NBA draft. Well, if you wanted to hear one more James Harden trade, it would be James Harden and P.J. Tucker to the Nets for Dimwitty, oh, yeah. Allen, Prince, Levert, and then y'all figure out the picks. I don't want to do it today. But that would have the Nets taking on an extra $4 million only. And that P.J. Tucker, there's your center. P.J. Tucker, Durant, James Harden, Irving, and Joe Harris. The Andre Jordan needs minutes. You forgot about Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's going to play. I was talking closing lineup, Richard. Why Why? Why are listen, you attacking? Listen, Kyrie Irving doesn't want to guard anybody. Neither does James Harden. you got to have someone out there willing to defend. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kevin Durant, rim, rim protector. Yeah, he's not going to want to move that much with uh, the, the Achilles. I, you, you, need, you need Bruce Brown out there, Ethan. Everyone go look at the, the Twitter videos of what, what the offense is going to look like because it's going to be dribble, 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 dribble. Dribble, 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 pass, pass, dribble, shoot. <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, with, with, with the Nets, I, I think that it would, it makes sense if you're trading Harden there, you know, ask for another guy who could play some defense. I think it'd be helpful. Obviously you'd love Robert Covington, but I don't think you have the capital to swing all of that. Oh, well, I mean, let's just, let me, let me click back over here. Let me send Tucker back to uh, Houston real quick. And so then we're sending uh, Robert Covington over, so that's a little bit more money. So who cares? I I know I hear you. I'm saying so that might require then um, DeAndre Jordan being sent out, mm, that yeah. or um, Temple being a good teammate. Up like because I think it. I think if you exercise a less than two year like a two year contract or less team option, he has. Is that where you have like a effective no trade no trade clause, even though it's not really a no trade clause? I'm not sure. But Garrett Temple, you could technically pick up his team option and trade him. Um, I don't know how much consent you need for that kind of thing. But then you can send him out instead of um. And I think that'll cover the gap. Now you're at um the Rockets will be taking on three million dollars more than they're sending or the Nets are taking on three million dollars more than they're sending out. But it's a lot better player. Um. I think more picks would be required. I do think more picks would be required. Man, can you imagine when James Harden and Kyrie Irving blow this team up? And the <laughs> Nets have no picks. Oh, man. It would be real funny. All right, Ethan. I am excited. The next time we talk, we'll be talking about trades. The free agency will have begun. Um, we can get Elkin in here to, to chat about all the things that are happening. You can talk about whoever the Pacers, if they don't make a trade in the first round, whoever they decide to pick with that Late second round pick. We can talk about why Peyton Pritchard was a great decision for them. Um, it'll, it'll all be great. I like Peyton Pritchard. Oregon guy. Yeah, Oregon guy. Oregon guy.